All right. Well, I and Womble, or Womble and myself, are very different, and I do not have a handout for you tonight. So, I want to invite you to turn with me to the book of 1 John. And tonight, we are going to talk about, can I know that I'm saved? Assurance is something that we all are familiar with. We deal with it on a regular basis. Just yesterday, uh, Sam and I had somebody come out and look at our sump pump because, as most of you know, we just bought this house and Uh, So this last week, I noticed that the sump pump was running constantly, never shutting off. And so I took a look at it, you know, trying to be handy, and I opened this little cap, and it just stinks. It smells like something's burning in there. So I'm thinking, well, this isn't good, you know, and I've shined the flashlight in there. The thing looks like it's just covered in rust. So thankfully, we have a home warranty. And so we call them, and they say, all right, we'll send somebody out. So yesterday morning, the guy comes out, and he opens it up. And he's, he looks at it for about two seconds. He said, dude, this thing is covered in rust and is about to give out any moment. He said, you definitely need to replace this. I said, all right, great. He said, all right, so I'm gonna call my boss. He's gonna bring the new pump and I'll go ahead and install it and we'll be done here in no time. I said, okay, great. And then I asked him, I said, so all this is covered by the home warranty? He said, well, not 100% sure because they're closed today. So we can't get in touch with them. So I thought, ooh. That's not good. So we told him to do it anyway, and he did it, and then we signed the paperwork, and he left. And then later that afternoon, Samantha gets an email from the the warranty company saying, hey, everything is covered, you all are good. And that just brought us so much assurance. Like, all right, we know we don't have to worry about getting a bill in the mail because everything is taken care of. There's this assurance that comes with that email. And you and I have done the same thing. Perhaps if you've ever ordered something online, you always get that email that's a confirmation of your order. It's confirming that they have received your order. It's assurance that you know that they have got the order. Not only do they have your money, but they also are aware that they are on the hook to send you whatever it is that you ordered. And so there's this idea of assurance that you and I, we experience on a regular basis. But when we come to Christianity and when we come to salvation, there's also this question of assurance. Can I know for sure that I'm saved and that I will spend eternity with God? And the book of 1 John is really helpful in these things. There are so many different um, passages that we're gonna look at tonight where John talks specifically about how can we know that we are saved? Because... Here's something that's different about Christian salvation security or uh, assurance versus the common assurance that I gave an example of. You see, the example that I gave you, I received, or my wife rather, received an email, and in the email was confirmation that everything was taken care of, right? That provided us assurance. But that's just one email that was sent at a certain period in time, and we can always go back and reference that email. So if the company were to say, call us this week and say, hey, actually, you owe us 100 bucks, we can say, hold up, no, no. I've got this email from you that says we're, we're off the hook. We don't, have, we don't owe anything, right? It's something that happened in the past that we can always look back to 
for assurance in the future, assurance going forward. But assurance that you and I are saved is not exactly the same way. But I think a lot of us think it might be. Because I know for myself, as I grew up in a church, I, I always thought, and perhaps I was taught to think, that as long as there was that moment when you either walked the aisle or prayed a prayer or had that, that, that experience, that you can always point back to that and say, I know that I'm saved because of that moment. But what I want us to see from the book of 1 John is that John does not talk about assurance in that type of way. I'm not saying that you're, uh, you're walking the aisle or you're praying that prayer is not genuine. That's not at all what I'm saying. But what I am saying is that John never points to an event like that for us to find assurance. So as we think about, am I saved? How can I know that I'm saved? John, in his whole book here, never once says, well, did you pray the prayer? Or did you walk the aisle? Or did you have an emotional experience? He never once says that. So remember, I'm not saying, or I'm not trying to say that those experiences you might have are, are not valid. But John has rather a different way of assuring us that we are saved. So let's begin by looking at what John has to say. First John, uh, we're gonna start in chapter one. And I want us to look at verses five through 10. John says, this is the message that we have heard from him and proclaim to you, that God is light and in him is no darkness at all. If we say we have fellowship with him while we walk in darkness, we lie and do not practice the truth. But if we walk in the light as he is in the light, we have fellowship with one another and the blood of Jesus, his son, cleanses us from all sin. If we say we have no sin, we deceive ourselves, and the truth is not in us. If we confess our sins, he is faithful and just to forgive us of our sins and to cleanse us from all unrighteousness. If we say we have not sinned, we make him a liar, and his word is not in us. So this is the first place where John is really wanting his readers to, to understand that here's how I can know that I'm saved. And he begins by reminding us, now remember he's writing to believers that are outside of, um, of Jerusalem, outside of Israel. And he's saying, this is the message that we have heard and we have proclaimed to you. So this is the common message, all right? That God is light and in him is no darkness at all. Now, the Bible uses these phrases, light and darkness, to talk about good and evil. All right, God is good, perfect, and holy. He would say that he is light. And in him is no darkness. Darkness, we understand that to be sin, wrong, things that are fallen. All right, so God is separate from wrongness and sin. He is, there is no darkness in him at all. And what John says, if we say we have fellowship with him, so that would be you and me confessing that we are a believer. If you say that you believe in Jesus, that you have fellowship with him, but we walk in the darkness, meaning our lifestyle is one that includes sin, that we are walking in sinful ways, ways that we know are wrong, things that God has clearly told us are not right. 
If we say we're a believer, but yet our lifestyle is one of living in sin, John says, then we lie and do not practice the truth. John says, so we can confess all day long that we are a follower of Jesus. But if our lifestyle is one marked by sin, living in the things that we know God hates, he says, then you're a liar and the truth is not in you. So the first way that we can have assurance is by the way that we live. Now, that's not a past thing. That's not just one thing that happened in the past. This is an ongoing thing. And what you're gonna see with all of these things that John tells us is that all of these assurances you're gonna see are present assurances. They're not moments in the past that we always look back to and say, oh, because of that moment, I know that I'm saved. It is a present reality in the life of a believer. He says in verse seven, but if we walk in the light as he is in the light, Then we have fellowship with one another and the blood of Jesus, his son, cleanses us from all sin. See, the first way we can know that we are saved is if we are walking in the light. And so I wanna ask you tonight. One, are you professing to have a relationship with Jesus? To have community with him? But two, if you are, are you walking with him? Do you recognize sin in your life and turn away from that sin? Now, John is not speaking specifically about a sinless life. We know that there is no attaining of perfect sinlessness until we reach heaven. That's why he says, if anyone sins, we have an advocate, or if we confess our sins, he's willing to to, uh, forgive us of all of our sins. But the first assurance that we have that we are a believer is that we're walking a godly life, that we are living a godly life, that we we know what God says, we know his standard, and we are working hard to obey him. That's the first assurance that we have. The second, I want you to look to chapter two. We're gonna begin in verse one. We'll go through verse six. He says, my little children, I'm writing these things to you so that you may not sin. But if anyone does sin, we have an advocate with the Father, Jesus Christ, the righteous. He is the propitiation for our sins and not for ours only, but also for the sins of the whole world. And by this, we know that we have come to know him if we keep his commandments. Whoever says, I know him, but does not keep his commandments is a liar and the truth is not in him. But whoever keeps his word in him, truly the love of God is perfected. By this, we may know that we are in him. Whoever says he abides in him ought to walk in the same way in which he walked. Now, this is not different. This is just him restating the same truth. John is saying, if we want to know that we're saved, we need to look no further than our lifestyle. Again, he talks about um, in verse three, we know that we have come to know him if we keep his commandments. Church, keeping his commandments is the same as walking in the light. And again, he says, verse four, whoever says I know him but does not keep his commandments is a liar. He just said that in chapter one. 
for us to proclaim that we know Jesus but not to live in obedience to him, we should have no assurance that we are saved if that is how we are living. You see, we can look back to a moment all we want. We can look back to that moment when we walked the aisle or when we prayed the prayer, but John says, if we are saying we love Jesus, but we're not walking in obedience to him, that moment doesn't really matter. John wants us to know that we are saved based on the present reality of your life. Are you walking with him or are you not? Are you living in sin or are you walking in obedience? Look again, chapter two, verse nine. Nine through 11. Whoever says he is in the light but hates his brother is still in darkness. Whoever loves his brother abides in the light and in him there is no cause for stumbling. But whoever hates his brother is in the darkness and walks in the darkness and does not know where he is going because the darkness has blinded his eyes. Now he begins to talk about how we treat one another. John says, if you hate your brother, that's evidence that you are not walking in the light. That's evidence that you are not walking in obedience to Jesus because Jesus teaches us to love one another. And so the assurance here is let's look at our own hearts and to see how do I feel about the other people around me? How do I feel about my fellow believers? How do I feel about my family members? Do you feel a love towards them? Do you feel anger towards them? Do you hold resentment in your heart towards them? John seems to say that one of the marks of someone who is believing in Jesus is that they will have love for their brother. Again, chapter two, verse 15, 15 through 17. He says, do not love the world or the things in the world. If anyone loves the world, the love of the father is not in him. For all that is in the world the desires of the flesh and the desires of the eyes and the pride of life is not from the Father, but is from the world. And the world is passing away along with its desires, but whoever does the will of God abides forever. John now is talking about, do you find your joy and satisfaction in the things of the world or in the things of God? He tells us the things of the world are passing away. For all that is in the world, the desires of the flesh, the desires of the eyes, the pride of life, those things are not from the Father. If you are more into the things of the world, giving into the desires that your flesh has, those things are not from God. The people who live according to those desires and those wills should have no assurance of their salvation. They should have no confidence that they are saved because those things are not from the Father. He says in verse 17, the world is passing away along with its desires. Those things are gonna pass away. They will not last forever, but what will last is whoever does the will of God. They will abide forever. Again, chapter two, verse 18 and 19. Children, it is the last hour, and as you have heard that Antichrist is coming so now many antichrists have come. Therefore, we know that it is the last hour. They went out from us, but they were not of us. For if they had been of us, they would have continued with us. But they went out that it might become plain that they are not 
that they all are not of us. Josh Womble mentioned this uh, one of the previous weeks. But one of the assurances that we have is a perseverance. Those who are believing in Jesus genuinely are going to persevere. They're going to continue with him. So we talked about last week, people who fall away. Now, Womble said very, and I think Josh even said in the, during the question time, we need to be careful because sometimes we see people that seem to fall away, but we don't know if they're going to come back. So we need to be careful before we just you know, throw a label on it and say that they have fallen away and that they can't be saved again. We don't know if it's a permanent falling away or if they're just struggling and, and they'll come back. But one of the ways that we can know that we're saved is by persevering in the faith, is by continuing in the faith. Josh has said this numerous times, that it's not about how you start, it's about how you finish. We can start so fast, but if we run out of energy and we can't finish, that's a problem. Y'all, those who are truly seeking after Jesus, who are truly trusting in him, are going to finish. They're going to continue. They're gonna persevere to the end. Uh, look down at the end of chapter two, verses 28 and 29. And now, little children, abide in him, so that when he appears, we may have confidence and not shrink from him in shame at his coming. If you know that he is righteous, you may be sure that everyone who practices righteousness has been born of him. Again, this is very similar to what he was saying at the very beginning, those who are walking in the light, those who are living in obedience. He says now, God is righteous. We can be sure of that. We know that. That is true. He says, you may be sure that everyone who practices righteousness has been born of him. So again, we need to look at our lives, we need to examine our own uh, selves, and we need to see, am I walking in righteousness? Am I living in, the, in obedience to what God has said and to what God has called his people? And oftentimes, you have to answer that question for yourself because we are really good at putting on a face and making sure everybody, you know, from, from their perspective, looks like we've got everything together. But we, we know our secret sins. We know the things that we struggle with. And John is saying that those who are righteous are the ones who have been born of God. To live in sin, to live in such a way that we know is dishonoring to God is, is an obvious indicator that we are not walking with him, that we are not believing him. Look at chapter three, beginning in verse four. Everyone who makes a practice of sinning also practices lawlessness. Sin is lawlessness. You know that he appeared in order to take away sins and in him there is no sin. No one who abides in him keeps on sinning. No one who keeps on sinning has either seen him or known him. Little children, let no one deceive you. Whoever practices righteousness is righteous as he is righteous. Whoever makes a practice of sinning is of the devil, for the devil has been sinning from the beginning. The reason the Son of God appeared was to destroy the works of the devil. No one born of God makes a practice of sinning, for God's seed abides in him, and he cannot keep on sinning because he's been born of God. 
By this, it is evident who are the children of God and who are the children of the devil. Whoever does not practice righteousness is not of God, nor is the one who does not love his brother. John is tying it all together. This is probably the fourth, fifth, sixth time that he has said it matters how you live. It matters how you walk. He says, if we're not walking in righteousness, if we're not living upright, holy, godly lives, we should not be sure of any salvation. If we are not regularly turning away from our sin and noticing our sin and hating it and wanting to repent of it, John says, what assurance do we have? Those who are truly born of God are gonna be those who walk in righteousness those who recognize sin, those who turn away from sin, those who are fighting against sin, and those who are loving their brother. That's a very practical thing that we can gauge. Are you someone who's loving towards other people? Do other people enjoy being around you? Or do you push people away? Are you at odds with a lot of people? Are there certain people that when you come to church, you try not to make eye contact because you just, you just don't wanna see him. You don't wanna talk to him. How are we loving one another? See, again, we're now half, over halfway through the book and John has not one time said, if you wanna know for sure that you're saved, look back to that, that moment that you walked the aisle. Look back to that time that you prayed the prayer. Now again, I don't think John would say those are insignificant or meaningless, but John would say if you're not walking in righteousness now, then that probably didn't really mean anything. But perhaps if you are walking in righteousness now, perhaps that was really the moment in which God saved you. Perhaps that was the moment in which he took your heart of stone and gave you a heart of flesh. Look again in verse, uh, chapter three, verse 15. John says, everyone who hates his brother is a murderer and you know that no murderer has eternal life abiding in him. This is now the third time he's mentioned something about loving one another or being angry towards a brother. Verses uh, 17 through 19, he expounds on this. If anyone has the world's goods and sees his brother in need yet closes his heart against him, how does God's love abide in him? Little children, let us not love in word or talk, but in deed and in truth. By this, we shall know that we are of the truth and reassure our hearts before him. He says, now we're not just talking about how you treat one another. We're also talking about how you care for one another with your material possessions. This one really gets to the heart because this is really where it hurts. Because oftentimes, for me to see somebody in need and to have to sacrifice something of my own possession to help them, that's where it hurts the most. It's not that hard to tell somebody you love them or to give them a hug. But when you pull out the wallet and you start shelling out money, that's where it becomes real. Do you really love that person? Are you really willing to sacrifice for that person or not? And John says, real believers are gonna be those who, we don't just love in word, we love in deed. We don't just say and give lip service, we do. We back up our words with our actions. Look at chapter four, 
verses 13 through 16. It says, by this, we know that we abide in him and he in us because he has given us of his spirit. And we have seen and testify that the father has sent his son to be the savior of the world. Whoever confesses that Jesus is the son of God, God abides in him and he in God. So we have come to know and to believe the love that God has for us. God is love, and whoever abides in love abides in God, and God abides in him. I hope that you're starting to see a theme. Assurance for the Christian as far as salvation, like I've been saying, it, it's not one moment that we always look back to and we're assured It is the present reality of our life. And what I would sum all of it up with is assurance for the Christian is clinging to Jesus. You can be assured that you are saved, that you've been forgiven of your sins if you are clinging to Jesus. Because a life that clings to Jesus is a life that is going to recognize sin and repent of it. A life that clings to Jesus is gonna be a life that desires to honor him and to serve him. So you're going to try every bit of your strength to walk in righteousness, to walk in the light and not in the darkness. See, that is the assurance that you and I have as a believer. Because here's here's the danger. If we say that we can be assured of our salvation by looking back to that one moment, then we might walk away thinking, well, I walked the aisle. I talked to the preacher. We prayed. I guess I'm good. I can just go on about my business. Yeah, but I hope that you understand that's not what the Christian life is about. Paul answers that question in Romans 6. He talks about grace and he says, well, if, if grace is abounding... Shouldn't we just keep on sinning? Paul says, absolutely not. Y'all, we don't want people to think that if they walk the aisle, they can know for sure that they're saved. What we want people to think and what we want people to know is that if they are living in obedience to Jesus, they can be assured that they have been forgiven of their sins. They can know without a shadow of a doubt, God has forgiven me of my sins. But in all of these things that that he's told us, they're all present realities. Not one of them is past. Because John doesn't want us to think about the past and be confident for the future. John wants us to focus on the present at every moment. So he wants us today to focus on, am I clinging to Jesus? Am I repenting of sin? Am I walking in the light today? And then tomorrow... John wants us to think, am I clinging to Jesus? Am I repenting of sin? Am I walking in the light? And then on Tuesday, he wants us to think, am I clinging to Jesus? Am I repenting of sin? Am I walking in the light? And that is the assurance. If you can examine your own heart and say, yes, I am clinging to Jesus. Yes, I am holding on to him with all that I have. Yes, I'm repenting of my sins. And yes, I am trying with all of my might to walk in righteousness. Then we can be assured that we have been forgiven of our sins. That is the assurance that we have. It's each and every day. Are you clinging to Jesus?
That's the assurance that we have. So as we think about, can I know that I'm saved? The answer is yes. We can know. But it's by looking at our our hearts each and every day and examining to see whether these things are true. Are you clinging to Jesus? If yes, you can be assured of your salvation. If no, we need to do some searching and God will reveal whether we are believing or not. All right, let's pray and then I think Josh Wamba will come up and take a few questions if we have any. God, thank you for the book of 1 John. There is so much assurance in it and I pray that it was helpful tonight to look through it and I pray that we would be clinging to Jesus each and every day that we would never just be satisfied looking back at one moment in time where we felt as if we believed, but that we would examine our hearts each and every day to see if that belief is true today. God, we thank you for Jesus, and it's in his name we pray. Amen.